Unbelievable people, what is up? Welcome to a SmackDown edition of the Hollywood Heels podcast. I am your rock star, your renaissance man, the Duke Russo. And I am joined by an attendee of this episode of SmackDown. The divine voice brought his divine presence to the arena in San Antonio. Henron, what's up, dude? What's up? What's up, people? And a double blessing for everybody. You might have gotten a taste of the divine voice himself in the presence of that arena. Yeah, I was chanting. I was right there along with the crowd. It was hype. It was intense. And we're here tonight to talk about it. What do we have tonight, sir? Well, we had an opener with Paul Heyman. And my first question to you is, did you say his name? I didn't say his name. I was booing the man. I was booing him. I was booing him, not as much as the crowd, because uh, they said his name, but I was booing him because I knew that as soon as I saw him in the ring, that meant that Roman wasn't there. So I was sad. Yep, that is indeed the case. Um, the crowd did say his name pretty clearly. He's gloating about Jimmy's actions, costing Jay the belts. Uh, interestingly, he said Jimmy called the play himself. The, the, this is a theme here. The quarterback references are getting a bit extreme. Um, I love sports. I watch a lot of sports. But, uh, you know, there's there's no reason to draw that many lines. Anyway, uh, he announces that Roman versus L.A. Knight at Crown Jewel was the most read article in L.A. Times. And uh, I I had a couple questions about this, like, you know, it was a weird way to announce a match. So, like, I, I wasn't sure, like, was this a leak that they had to contain? But then they usually don't do that. There are leaks all the time, and they just continue as if they don't exist. And, like, I don't know. What, what are your feelings on this? Uh, I don't know. I, no, I guess nothing was official, 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 and they're still trying to, oh, what's, what's going to happen? But we all knew it was going to happen a long time ago. But they, you know, they had to slow things out week by week so by slowing it down and making it seem like they're just announcing things that's another week they can buy themselves time yeah and i mean a, a lot of this stuff is known in advance because of the contracts of the superstars you know there there are certain appearances written in we had known for a while that roman's next contract appearance was going to be at crown jewel that would be his next defense so it was no surprise, and and you know we all knew that this LA Knight thing was coming, uh, and it it's falls well for the WWE because that means they can hand LA Knight the loss in front of a crowd that I'm sure loves him because the entire world loves him. But if you handed him the loss on U.S. soil, it would probably be a lot more sour in the arena than it would be um, over in Saudi Arabia. But anyway, um, despite all of this, Heyman is still an L.A. Knight fan. Um, And he's saying that Roman's going to end L.A. Knight to a point that we will never see him again. When L.A. Knight himself interrupts, yeah. Yeah. He snatches the mic right from Heyman, tells Heyman to take a walk, calls Roman to the ring, but we all know he ain't there. Then he tells Heyman to get back into the ring, and Heyman's like, well, you told me to leave. And he's like, I don't give a shit what I just told you. I will hit you so hard, your hair will go back to gray. 
Um, he tells us all that as fast as he's risen to mega stardom is as fast as he's going to take the title from Roman Reigns and that the contract signing will be next week on SmackDown. Uh, he slams the mic into Heyman's chest pretty hard and then leaves the ring and we get a call Roman Reigns from Heyman while he's in the ring. Yeah, this was this was one of my highlights of the night. Ellen and I was going crazy up there. Paul Heyman, you know, at first he's getting mad as he's trying to hype up LA Knight and the crowd's chanting, yeah, and he's like, don't do that while I'm talking, which obviously is only going to get the crowd to do it more. I love the, was that a P. Diddy reference when LA Knight's like, I can't stop. I won't stop. And stop, won't stop. All I could think of, <laughs> yeah, all I could think of was uh, Dave Chappelle making the band um, when he was saying that shit. But this is great. You know, got to see some LA Knight action and needed something to pick the crowd up. You know, something to hype the crowd because we knew that we weren't getting no tribal chief. Well, I mean, you can't. You can't pay him enough to get him in every arena, I suppose. Um, but we end up backstage with the Street Profits. Bobby Lashley is hyping up Tez for his upcoming match with Santos Escobar. And then that leads us right into the match. Give me this match, man. Yeah, and, and this was a fun little match. You know, two athletic gentlemen between Tez and Santos. And Tez came out of this with a lot of intensity, still building into that heel character you know it's still hard for me to fully buy into it because you know anything tez does i'm like yeah i like that shit you know even with his new intensity trying to be a bad guy and taunting teasing throwing the suck it stuff like that i mean it's hard not to get behind it um at one point he hit this giant backwards reverse bulldog off the second rope kind of looked like you know mellow don't miss out there so i don't know if that was a an ode to mellow down on NXT, you know, call back to this whole little potential Hurt Business 2.0 stuff. I don't know. Um, Santos hit the giant, both men standing on the top rope, Rana, which was beautiful. Um, eventually, we just got Dawkins in there. He tried to, you know, at first he throws Santos into the post on the outside, gets jumped by the homeboys, ends up beating the homeboys uh, two-on-one of the LWO. But then Santos takes him out, gets in the ring, and eats the quick roll of victory. Uh, one, two, three, Montez wins. And then him and Docs jump him after the match. And then Carlito comes down to save everybody. Yeah, I um, I mean, I, I enjoyed the fact that we got some Tez singles action going on, but I didn't really enjoy this match much. Um... I thought Escobar was really bad in this match. I felt like there were some points where like the bumps he took were just really shitty. Um his selling was just not very good. I I I didn't really care for his performance in this match. There was a lot of like pausing and like trying to get into a move and doing it real slowly and kind of awkward like. Um he just fucking stared into Tez's eyes before they hit that Rana and I was like, dude, are they gonna make out? Like this is, is this some sort of Tony Storm Soraya moment? Like what the fuck is going on here? Um I just don't like I, I just don't care for the guy. I don't I don't think he's you know, like you've said before, maybe maybe go back into phantom mode. I don't know. I don't know how you save this dude, but uh 
they got to do something because he just ain't doing it for me. Yeah, I, I don't know what what we can do to save him either. But yeah, it was super weird. I get they were both maintaining their balance, right? But I, I God, I wish I just knew what they were thinking at that moment in time. Like, because that's they were up there for just a little bit too long. Ez was probably like, "You gonna fucking do this or what?" Like, you know, where 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 are we going with this? Because to me, he's he's the kind of wrestler like he would jump into it right away and like you know almost recklessly do it. Not not in an unsafe way, but in a much more dramatic way than just staring into another dude's eyes for thirty seconds before they hit it. But after the match, we end up backstage with LWO. Ray is thanking Carlito for backing them up, and you know he's he says that he's got to go out and address Logan Paul. They ask him if he wants him back up, and he wants to do this alone. So like, I I don't know, man. This this fucking Catwoman mask that Ray is wearing was really bothering me. It really weirded me out. I mean, I guess if you want to be optimistic about it, you could say it was some sort of like maybe Black Panther shit or or whatever. But like. I don't know. To me, man, it looked like fucking Catwoman. Dude, with Ray and he's got his old raspy voice, he's Batman. He's out here for justice. That's that's all I could think of. And he's telling all the LWO, don't worry, guys. I got this. Me solo. I don't I don't know how to I don't know Spanish, right? But uh solamente, right? I'm just making shit up now. But it's just yeah, me, Oose. <laughs> it's just him, Oose. But yeah, he looked like Batman and he told everybody not to help him. Which, again, I guess we're now separating Ray from the LWO's feud with the Street Profits and um, Bobby Lashley. It looks like Carlito, Bobby Lashley is going to be like a feud and we're going to get like a three-way between the LWO and, you know, the Street Profits and Bobby. But Ray's somehow not going to be involved in that. So what has all this been for? Why are we even doing all this if somebody from the street profits hurt her business isn't getting the u.s title what, what's all this been for except a waste of my Dude, time that's what i've been saying the whole time is like i have not felt anything towards this um i i really do think ray's gonna drop to logan paul um so i i don't know what the fuck we're doing here like like i said way way back like several episodes ago i i said that i feel like this lwo thing is just holding the street profits over until they figure out a way to possibly split the tag belts or just get them in on the picture um because it just feels like filler work to me yeah i completely agree with you there um i don't know what's going to happen between bobby and carlito i feel like that actually might be a fun match uh anytime we got two big boys lately they've been going at each other you know um, and I feel like hitting the backstabber on bobby lashley i feel like that might actually be a bit more impactful so I don't know. Could be interesting next week. I think it's next week. It might, but we're also not batting a very good average when it comes to people who haven't like been in the ring in a while. You know, like a lot of them have come back and sucked. So, you know, we saw 30 seconds of Carlito in that tag match when he basically showed up and then 30 seconds later hit the backstabber and they won. So we, we don't really know what he looks like right now. We're going to have to find out. Um, It'll probably be against Tez, as I'm assuming going to be his first match. Anyway, 
Uh, we get a little pretty deadly vignette here. They're in a spa, getting pampered, having a foot bath, chatting about how hashtag Elton, Elton Strong is a global phenomena, and they're celebrating their quote-unquote squeaky clean, squeaky, squeaky, squeaky clean victory over the brawling brutes <laughs> when the brutes ambush them in the spa, beat them up, and stuff their heads into their own little foot bath juice foot juice situation this was a weird weird little vignette but i was pretty into it actually yes i love that they're celebrating they had those little like adult capri sun things and the like it had the i guess the name of the nail salon and it just said somebody's bomb ass nail salon that's what that's what those little things said i thought that was cute when they had mentioned the uh the Taylor Swift concert or whatever the hell that they mentioned about Taylor Swift, there was actually a small pop in the audience uh, when they mentioned Taylor Swift. And I was like, wow, we got some Swifties out here. I love the squeaky clean win. And they're like, they always, they always disappear after a squeaky clean win. And, and they just grab them. This is a great little segment. The foot water was nasty. My girl, she was like, she was like, Ugh. so that was a very, uh, Great segment. I'm happy they showed it in the arena as well. Yeah, they just uh, they drank their own foot juice. That was pretty nasty. Pretty pretty nice uh, by creative on that one. And then we get the bloodline backstage. We've got him, Jim himself, bragging about his work on Raw. Keeps throwing the QB references at us, calling audibles, doing what needs to be done. And uh, and then they take a look at the screen, and we see the greatest of all time walking in, getting ready to address the crowd. Um, his shirt's on, so we we know he's not going to have a surprise match because that's the that's the indication right there. Big thank you, Ch- Cena chance man. Like this crowd. And and you can attest to this, I'm sure. Absolutely loved John Cena. Every crowd loved John Cena. But I would say that this one was a little extra. Um, he's talking about Roman Reigns and his streak. And then he says that he's got a streak of his own that was recently revealed to him. It has been 2,002 days since he won a televised singles match back in 2018. And uh, I don't think this was any acting here. I think he is legitimately shaken. He he looked visibly shaken. Mentions the big R word, retirement. And this is when we get big, you still got it, Chance. And uh, I was like, I wonder, you know, Sting just announced his retirement. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Just saying. Just saying. Um... But he fires himself up. He still believes in himself. He knows he's got it. And it is time to turn that streak around. He says he's going to smoke whoever comes out of the ring right now, takes his shirt off, goes Super Saiyan. But like I said, since he came out with his shirt on, we know he's not going to have a match. And who comes out? Solo Sokoa. Not in ring gear. Again, obvious that he's not going to have a match. They go out it. Jimmy comes out to lay out Cena. Jay shows up on SmackDown to take out him, Jim. Super kicks Jim over a barricade. Meanwhile, in the ring, Cena dodges a spike and then AA solo. 
All right. So this segment really bothered me because like you come out, you talk that shit, you talk about the streak, you you say, I'm going to smoke whoever the fuck comes out right now. And then you don't actually have a fucking match. You just AA somebody and then take a victory lap on the fucking turnbuckle to the crowd. I love Cena. I've enjoyed this time back. You know, I I didn't think he was so hot in the ring uh, at the last PLE, but I just thought that this whole segment was fucking stupid. Yeah, so I'll I'll take it back to when we get, um, you know, the bloodline chilling, and Jimmy is just I don't know what he's on, but I need some of that. You know, he's talking about I'm out there calling the audibles, ooze red seventy flag star <laughs> touchdown. <laughs> he was having way too much fun dancing with himself, and yeah, John Cena, man, like. I almost couldn't hear what he was saying. The crowd was literally just chanting for this guy. And then as soon as one chant would end, they're into another chant. I'm like, holy fuck. Like, I'm like, I, I'm in a lot of support for Cena as well. You know, but I just, I just felt like it was a, uh, I can't think of the word for it right now. But, you know, when everybody's doing something, you just feel it within yourself as well, you know? So it just everybody just felt that hustle, loyalty, and respect within their bodies. And they had to give it up for the GOAT. John Cena himself. <laughs> so, but yeah, you know, he got interrupted by the street champ. And on that streak, somebody fact checked that. That's a long time, dude. What the fuck? But yeah, and then we get the whole bloodline hullabaloo. And finally, we see Jimmy, him, Jim come out and they're both beating up Roman. And Solo's kind of like, what? But then he's like, okay, I'm still going to get down. But then we get a masked figure and we're like, I was like, I already knew who it was because I was like, but I was like, no fucking way. Right. But yeah, man, the main event, Jay Uso shows up to take out his brother once again. And at, like after he pulls him out, after he beats him down, then he takes off the mask and everybody realizes who it is. And then security comes in. First off, you, you if it's, it's a masked person, you should have been on that guy to begin with and speaking of security i'm standing down there and you know they stand up they sit down but like literally when i'm standing up and they're standing there in front of me these guys are smaller than me no wonder that people are always jumping and they got to send 17 of these security guys out here because these fools are tiny so it makes sense it's all adding up you know now that i was able to see that in person but finally you know they they stop jay solo's about to hit the spike but he finally eats the aa and has the has how many AAs has he eaten? Because I feel like every time in the recent weeks he's been about to eat it, he's been saved. So like I don't know if now now he ate it. Is that going to adjust his attitude? Are we gonna see some changes in the bloodline with Solo now? I don't know. I yeah, usually he gets a super kick to the face by Jimmy uh in that instance. But um I had to look up who Cena's last win was against. Do you know who it was? I'm going to say... The fuck, I don't know. I'm going to say, like, Seth Rollins, AJ Styles. It was Triple H. What? In, was that some Saudi show? Uh, I, I don't remember what show it was. Um, I just remember that it was Triple H. <laughs> I had to look it up. I had no fucking clue. I was going to guess like Baron Corbin or I, whatever he was back then, Lucky Corbin, or I don't fucking know. Um, yeah, 
that's who it was, Triple H. That's crazy. But you didn't think it was weird that, like, dude, he talks all that shit and then he doesn't have a match? I mean, we knew he wasn't going to have a match. I wasn't too, uh, I wasn't too surprised by all that. But he's talking about turning the streak around and he's firing himself up and saying he's going to smoke whoever comes out right now. Like, doesn't that lead into a fucking match? Like, I thought it was so stupid. It, it um, In my notes, I, I wrote it felt like a fake retirement. Like, it looked like he was about to hang up the towel and then he snaps back like, I still got that dog in me. <laughs> yeah, and then doesn't have a match after saying, basically, I'm going to have a, I'm, I'm going to finally end that streak. Like... And and you know who he's gonna end it against? He's gonna like fucking beat the Miz or somebody. You know what I mean? And his time, because he was only like scheduled for a certain timeline, and I feel like it's coming cl- close to an end. So like, unless he has a match in the next like two or three weeks, I don't know if he's booked. I don't know if he's coming back. When he's coming back? You know what I'm saying? He probably will with this writer strike stuff. But well, that that's what it all comes down to, right? So however long that goes on is probably how long he'll hang around. He'll finish out like if the strike ends tomorrow, he'll finish out the dates that he's committed to, just because hustle, respect, loyalty. You know. Um but we we don't know where it goes from there. So, yes, I, I would say that, like, we will get John Cena's final match within the next two years. Because let's say that the strike ends and then he disappears for a year and then he comes back for a couple months to build up his last match. So, like, I would say two to three years at, at the latest. Um, but it's coming. And... On that topic of retirement, like I, I appreciate it like this. I, I like it when dudes hang it up when they know it's time to hang it up. You know, Stone Cold, Undertaker, um, Rock maybe even left a little prematurely. Um, he, he still had more in the tank, I think, when he first left. Uh, but, but I appreciate it when guys do that because very rarely do we like. It's just nostalgia feels at that point when they're in the ring. It's usually shit. Like, you know, Ric Flair, fucking hang it up, dude. Like, I know you had your last match and then you're talking about having... But your last match was straight up garbage. You were hitting the weakest chops I've ever seen. And the dude's a fucking legend. You know what I mean? Like, don't you want to preserve that memory? At this, at Getting in the ring at that point for you is completely self-fucking-serving. And it's supposed to be in an industry where you're essentially making sacrifices to be able to give to an audience, give to a crowd, give to a following. And instead, you choose to be selfish as fuck at the end. So I, I do think, and, and how kind of shitty he's been in the ring. And he mentioned that in his post-show presser after the last PLE. Was that like, yeah. I'm not what I should be in the ring. So that's why I do think it's coming, and I don't think he's going to be one of these people to drag it out. I think he's going to hang it up when he knows it's time to hang yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah. I, I get behind that 100%. I, I, I have to agree with you, and I feel like if we do see him again you know, in the long run, he's just going to be like what he was on NXT or kind of what he's been doing lately. He's just out here to talk and have the people sing to his music. Yes, sir. Uh, we get a quick little shot of Logan Paul arriving to the arena. And uh, and then we get a little Isla Dawn and Alba Fire vignette about the unholy union is coming. Um, my bet for their televised return is going to be the 
October 30th Raw, the day before Halloween, just because that feels fitting. However, you saw these two that night. Yeah, they randomly were the starting dark match about 15 minutes before the show, tag team match between the Witches and um, Mi Chin, Mia Yim, and Shotzi Blackheart, or just Shotzi now. I don't know what, what they're really calling her, but the crowd was surprisingly hyped for this. It, it could be because it was the first of everything in the night, but I mean, they were they were hype as shit when Shotzi was out there on her little tank. When Mi Chin got the hot tag, it was pretty fire. But all in all, it was a cute little match. The Witches ended up losing, surprisingly. So I don't know what that was about. But the highlight of the match was one of the Witches was hanging in, was standing on the apron, hanging inside, you know, over the second rope, and basically had her back up, almost reverse of how Sheamus does the beats on the Baron. And Mi Jin hit this Hurricane Rana while she was draping through the ropes. I don't know. Never seen it before. It was amazing. And that's how the show actually started for me. That sounds like a pretty fun way. And I, I don't really think, I, I think the loss is kind of perplexing, but I don't think it really hurts what they're trying to build because, you know, only you guys saw it really. Uh, I do expect them to have a couple good matches um, before they end up getting their title shot. So we'll see where they end up. But we are backstage with the new GM of SmackDown, Nick Aldis, Jay Uso, and the GM of Raw, Adam Pierce. And Aldis is fucking pissed at Pierce and Jay for being on his show. Finds Jay 10 grand on the spot, tells security to escort Jay out. Pierce is like, yo, is this is this really necessary? Like I'll just I'll just take him out, man. Like it's this, this doesn't need to be this much. Uh, Aldis corrects himself and says, you know what, security, escort both of these gentlemen out. Pierce looks at Aldis and says, let the games begin. Dude, are we getting a Pierce versus Aldis match at Survivor Series? So, I do think we're going to get a Nick Aldis match at some point. I feel like it's going to be... Um, with like the Miz or somebody like that, I, I feel like in a recent in recent weeks where uh, that was, I had mentioned something along those lines. I can't remember exactly what, but I don't know if we're gonna see Adam Pierce realistically strap on the boots. And God, I don't want to see it. I'm sorry, Adam, I don't. Um, but I do think we'll see Nick Aldis. I think this was just setting up the classic Survivor Series Raw versus SmackDown, and this is the first taste of it. And as it starts to get heated between those two talking about who's the better brand, we're going to get Shawn Michaels being like, oh, you can't talk about the best without mentioning NXT. And <laughs> we're going to end up getting what I've been wanting so bad. Finally, a triple, you know, NXT into the mix once again with the two, you know, Raw and SmackDown brands. And I doubt they'll do it. But God, what if we had like a triple threat war games match, like 15 people? I, I feel like that might be a bit convoluted, might be a lot, but God, it could be so good. I, I do think that would be a little too much. I think if they wanted to do something interesting, we could have like Ilya Dragunov 
uh, raise a well, whoever has the U.S. belt on SmackDown, you know, maybe Logan Paul, and then whoever has IC if it's still Gunther. So like Gunther, Logan Paul, Ilya Dragunov as a triple threat. That would be insane. That'd be that'd be lit. But what are we gonna do with uh? We're just automatically downgrading NXT to the the second titles because I feel like. They're not going to put Roman in a triple threat against who Drew again. That's but that's why I went with those belts because like I I think it could be Drew or Seth. I think they'd be willing to do that match, but they're not putting Roman in that match. What the hell's Roman gonna do? Like that's what I I know that's what I, exactly what I was thinking in this segment right here. What the hell is Roman gonna do? Because he's not gonna lose to LA Knight. I don't know what singles match they're building up for him unless it's John Cena again. You know what I'm saying? And it looks like we're getting a War Game Survivor Series match. And are we just doing Bloodline and we're not having the title on the line? But I feel like it's going to be Raw versus SmackDown or something. And we're going to end up getting Kevin Owens alongside the Bloodline team. Opposite of what we had, I believe, last year, maybe. That could be interesting. Um, you know, what really fucks all this up is is having the tag belts unified right now because you could easily remedy it by just having whoever holds the tag belt for each show having a uh, a three-team tag match but that that's fucked up right now you know what i mean like trying to think of ways to introduce nxt unless you do the women and have the female champion from each show but right now that's becky so it's basically just like main roster stuff you know what i mean like there it's it's really hard i feel like to incorporate nxt right now because of the belt situations between roman not like that's just beneath him let's be honest and then you got the unified belts and then you got the women's nxt title on becky so it just creates a lot of weird situations if you wanted to do something with all three shows yeah i'm sure they'll figure it out but or or we're doing we're doing Adam Pierce versus Nick Aldis versus Shawn Michaels. Shawn <laughs> can't wrestle anymore. Like he shouldn't have came back for that. Uh, was it the Brothers of Destruction versus DX, and they all almost died? Yeah, yeah. No, he needs to stay out. Pierce, I looked it up. Pierce most recently wrestled in 2021. I don't really remember what the match looked like. I feel like it was something involving Braun Strowman. Um. But yeah, I, all this is obviously still in wrestling shape since he's younger than half of the fucking superstars. But yeah, let's not. Um, we get Logan Paul coming out to address the crowd. Um, he gloats about the Dylan Dennis fight, says he should have stuck with WWE, says he ain't here for Ray because he already beat Ray. And then I'm like, okay, then why'd you call him out, bitch? And then he's like, well, the last time I beat Ray, Dom was still his son. Roman Reigns still wrestled. LA Knight was unemployed. I don't need Ray, but I need what he has. Okay, so if you need what he has, but you ain't here for Ray because you already... Like, this whole segment was fucking stupid. Like, it just went in circles. I'm here for Ray. I'm not here for Ray. I don't need to be here. I need to be here. I need the belt. I don't... Like, dude, just... Okay, clearly, the I don't know if it was him. I don't know if it was writing. I thought it sucked. Um, Ray eventually came out. 
in his Catwoman mask. Um, he's talking about how he sees a lot of similarities between Logan and Dom, but he's not going to hesitate to whoop Logan's ass like he hesitated to whoop Dom's ass. Um, also, I felt like Ray like, really looked like an old man here. I think it was possibly because of, like, the shirt he was wearing and then, like, kind of tightish leather pants made his... made, made you see how, like, tiny his legs are at this point in his life. Um, but he agrees to the match, so it's officially official. We're getting Logan Paul versus Rey Mysterio at Crown Jewel for the U.S. title. So I'm thinking... What if, like, Logan Paul got his ass whooped? You know what I'm saying? Like, what if it was opposite and he got, like, shit-faced? Like, you think they just would have canceled the plans? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like that's a big gamble WWE had on, like, I don't know. The, the, things could have turned out a lot differently, but out of the guys just shit, evidently. I don't know. It was a shit show from what that was, but... I thought the lines were cute from Logan Paul about his his son and Roman and LA Knight. Roman's beat his ass. We haven't seen a Dom and Logan match. And we haven't seen LA Knight and Logan. So I was thinking that could be some potential. He mentioned their names. So maybe that's something we end up seeing down the line. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's the track of the US belt, right? I think Logan takes it from Ray. And then LA Knight takes it from Logan because by that time he'll have lost to Roman and that'll be done. So they'll be looking for something new there. So I, I think that's the exact track for the US belt. For sure. Like and that's gotta be like Survivor series or something soon, because they're not gonna I don't see them having that man run around with the belt for that long. But then that kind of kills like Crown Jewel kind of kills all the hopes of those big three-way matches at uh, Survivor Series, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, at this point, they've got to have a plan by now for Survivor Series, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm worried that we're going to get a really... Like, the War Games part of it is going to be fun, and maybe we're going to get a banger women's match because maybe we get champion versus champion on the women's side. So, you know, I maybe Charlotte will have it back by then. I don't know. Like, it's hard to, hard to predict who's going to have the SmackDown belt at that point. Obviously, it'll be Rhea. She ain't losing the fatal five-way match, I don't think. Um... But yeah, I, I outside of those two possible scenarios, I'm kind of worried that we're going to have a weak Survivor Series. Yeah, we'll see though. I I give them some hope because we got some people returning. You know, some some things that should be hype because I feel like there could be a lot of venom being injected into the system. Uh, towards Survivor Series time, that might spice things up quite a bit. Yeah, we've we've heard the rumblings that you know Kyrie's already signed and that she is supposed to return at some point in November. Um, so that would put her on track to be able to be a part of Survivor Series. Um, I know that I've seen some things that it, a lot of people were speculating. And assuming that Sasha Banks was going to end up in AEW. But um, I've also seen some things that 
lately people think that she could end up back with WWE. Ba- basically, if if WWE was willing to open up the wallet, they would land her more or less. And with the Endeavor acquisition, I I would say that that's definitely a possibility. So then it comes down to does creative feel like they need her? And I feel like Sasha Banks is a strong performer still, and and I would enjoy her returning. For sure, for sure. Especially with all the way things have gone lately. Like, it'd be great to see her back and just to see the interaction between her and all the people that she's feuded with in the past. We can finally get the quote-unquote four horsewomen big four-way match that we've never had like we can finally get back into just having those four mix it up because everybody just eats that up yeah so uh, that that could be something that saves it but there's a lot of work to be done to get to that point uh we end up in a match that we did not know prior to the show that we were gonna have a town down under Grayson Wola and Austin Theory versus Dragon Lee and Cameron Grimes in a very weird, weird matchup. And just to start it off, I feel like I got to say, we need to get fucking Cameron Grimes some new music because it sucks. He needs new music. He needs a backstage segment. He needs to talk. He needs to do something because, wow, like there was like literal zero reaction for this guy um yikes you know and he was like he was pretty good you know what i'm saying he was pretty good in the match like very entertaining i I felt like he did more than theory and waller did shit he damn near did more than dragon lee did during the match you know he he catches these motherfuckers in it's basically like a spanish fly but he catches them in like a flipping cross body that he flips over into it and then lands on top of them shit's just wild um but eventually um he's trying to get the roll-up pinfall on theory grayson waller rolls in hits the flat liner um right into the a-town down for the one two three and they pick up the victory but i'm sure we'll see some dragon lee solo stuff as we go from here, as they continue to try to uh, keep A-Town done under strong, but on the side, keeping them ready and warm until, I don't know what, you know, until the LWO and Street Profits feud is done, then we could get back to mixing them in with somebody else, I guess. Yeah, that's kind of what this match felt like to me. It was just like a booking holdover of, you know, okay... Well, we brought Dragon Lee up. We we didn't actually like say we brought him up. We're just you know doing it and not acknowledging it <laughs> is essentially what's going on here. Uh, let's keep him in front of the crowd. Obviously, they they want to see if they can get some juice going for Cameron Grimes. Which listen, the dude in ring is awesome, but like you said, like we need to hear him talk like. There's a lot more than in-ring performance to be successful in the WWE, and I'm that's that's one of the things that really, to me, set it apart as a company. You know, we were talking about indie shows earlier, and you know, the thing with indie shows is, yeah, they're great, especially great if you're there and in person. But like, it doesn't matter if a dude can't talk on a microphone or, or you know, call a crowd or anything like it. But in WWE, it fucking matters. You know, there are storylines, there are plots. Like, I need to believe who 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 you're portraying. And I don't know if Cameron Grimes has that. 
Um, I know he has it in the ring, but I'm sure there's a lot of guys that have it in the ring and then don't have the other part of it. So there's a lot of work to be done to have that image with him. Um, also, like he's not really memorable to me. Like he's just another dude that's like, you know, in okay shape, but not like exceptionally jacked. So he doesn't stand out that way. He like does a lot of. He does some good moves and has some acrobatic stuff, but there's like nothing outrageously standout-ish to me in that regard. His music kind of sucks. He doesn't really have friends. You know, this whole Dragon Lee teaming just doesn't feel real to me, even though they actually look pretty decent in the ring together. But I, I, I appreciate that they're giving the guy a shot, but like if they are, then they also simultaneously need to do better by him. Yeah, yeah, everybody... You know, they need to do something with them, and they can't. And they gotta keep Cameron Grimes away from Dragon Lee as well, because you can clearly tell these guys don't know each other. They've never met. They're not friends. You know, you can't tell me this weird country cowboy's friends with this luchador. You know what I'm saying? So, like, you gotta do something. And I get you don't want to just throw him in LWO because he's just gonna get lost, like Cruz del Toro and whatever other guys. But I can't think of it right now. Joaquin Wild, and then don't put him on SmackDown. It's just they fucked up there. Yeah, yeah. That's I think I think you're right. Yeah. So I, I they have some work to do on this one. Um, obviously, a tan down under is established. Both of those guys are established. Um, Grayson Waller, I, I liked him before, but he's growing on me even more. Um, and he's he's making Austin Theory kind of grow on me a little bit. Um, I don't hate him as much. I, I'm still not a fan of him. And then as we find out in this next segment, we have an interview with Kathy Kelly interviewing Kevin Owens, his first sit-down since being traded to SmackDown. He's saying that he wasn't thrilled to leave Sammy, but he's looking forward to the clean slate that he'll have on SmackDown. He knows that he's going to end up crossing paths with the bloodline. He talks about some of the matches that he wants now that he's over there. He wants a match with Ray. He wants a match with Sheamus. And then he asks Kathy Kelly who she wants him to punch. And uh, she's a little reluctant at first, but she does acknowledge that Austin Theory indeed has a very punchable face. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe that's going to be something we're getting here soon. And KO is ready to turn SmackDown into the KO show. Yeah, I'm hyped to see Kevin Owens. I think, I don't know. I think we're going to see a Kevin Owens heel turn here soon. I think we're going to see some drama between Kevin and Sammy at Survivor Series because I think somehow they're going to end up representing Team Raw and Team SmackDown. Even though I feel like Kevin is definitely candidate for that, I don't necessarily feel that Sammy is. But I feel like with the title picture, they're probably not going to have anybody in Judgment Day. Probably not going to have Seth. He might just be out or injured after Drew beats him down. They're not going to have Drew because he's going to have the belt. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like Sammy might be one of the Sammy, Cody, Jay. We're going to end up seeing a little bit of Uso v. Uso, Sammy v. Uh, Kevin. Um, potentially, if they let Roman in that match, we'll get some more Roman, Cody. Um, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see who he ends up fighting with. I, you know, I can't think of any singles, heels on SmackDown right now. Would be nice to see him and Bobby Lashley do something. I feel like 
watching Bobby Lashley throw him around or him trying to suplex Bobby Lashley. That's another fun match. That one would be fun. I feel like KO exists in this kind of like outside of face or healdom. Like, uh, yes, he's a face, but at the same time, like he just likes to wrestle and he's also short tempered to the point where like he can snap on anybody and end up feuding with anybody without necessarily being a heel. So I really feel like you could insert him wherever. I would very much like to see him in the U.S. title picture. So let's say let's say Logan does take it from Ray and they don't give it to L.A. Knight, okay? Then I want to see it probably on KO at that point. So KO Logan Paul. And then personality-wise... I, I can see that very much, KO versus Logan Paul. But to me, another, you know, talking about Sammy versus KO and, and at Survivor Series or something like that, and one one thing that I think is a wild card in this factor is that Nick Aldis is very much taking on a heel persona as a GM, uh, as he did earlier with the fining situation and having Pierce escorted out, et cetera, et cetera. And I could see, like, Adam Pierce already predetermining, like, hey, we're, we're gonna do this, and I'm gonna have, I'm choosing Sami Zayn as my non-belt wearing competitor from from Raw, and then Nick Aldis doing like a heel GM move, like picking KO at that point. You know what I mean? Yeah, one hundred percent. And I, I would like that. I, I would hope we get like a a draft or something fun as well because those are always fun yeah the draft should be a lot more interesting but and now we get to our main event we have the women's smackdown belt holder eo sky the genius of the sky defending her belt against the queen charlotte flair and uh, I would just like to say that Dakota Kai holding Io's belt for her is literally the only way that she's ever going to touch it. There's been a little clip floating around on Twitter of Io throwing her jacket and Dakota slyly catching it, uh, walking by in the background. So she's getting some internet points as well out there. And holding that belt, she did play a vital role in this match. But this was this was fun. You know, this was probably match of the night you know um crowd was dying down at this point but they're still very hype especially at the end of it um i would like to note that before this evidently smackdown is on fs1 next week so it's not going to be live on fox for anybody trying to catch it live um yeah playoff baseball so it should be should be interesting there and EO is just beating everybody. You know what I'm saying? Not to spoil anything right now, but she did win the match and she's just kind of been on a tear lately, which I'm honestly surprised that like an NXT champion coming up and taking over, we don't normally see that. So it's it's nice that they had it. They basically she was a star beforehand, but they, you know, got behind her on the WWE front and stayed behind her so that the people stayed behind her. But this was fun. You know, Charlotte actually wasn't just dominating. She wasn't beating everybody 2v1, you know, like in her prior matches. So this actually felt like more of a competitive match. Um, she did hit like a giant fallaway slam on the second rope. It was pretty nasty. Um, at one point, she was basically about to win the match. She hit the spear and then Bailey pulls EO's foot on the rope. 
And Charlotte gets mad. She chases Bailey around, ends up throwing Bailey over the announce table, gets back in the ring, and she's distracted, rest distracted. This is where Dakota Kai played the key part, handing the title to EO. EO held it in her stomach so that when Charlotte hit another spear, she speared the title, and EO was able to roll her up for the one, two, three. It was a nice little victory. Damage Control felt that the victory wasn't enough, tried to lay the hurt down on Charlotte Flair and making her return. Bianca Belair returns and saves uh, Charlotte Flair. Wasn't able to put EO Sky down, but she did catch Bailey in the KOD and celebrated in the show. You know, I'm kind of tired of th- there's a there's a million ways to interfere in a match and get away with it and, you know, have shit, ref bumps and all sorts of stuff, right? I don't know why, but they've really been in the, like, sneak the leg on the rope interference thing lately, and I just don't like it when they use the same thing fucking over and over and over again in a short time span and i feel like that that's what they've been doing with the sneak the leg on the rope interference lately to break up a pin they've really been using that and i i just it bothers me when uh when they end up doing that i think that eo's reign is coming to an end very soon here um even before you know removing the return of bianca from the situation because like the last few times that she's retained, it hasn't been clean. I actually think the only clean victory she had was like that first one against Asuka. And then after that, it's been interference nonstop. And damage control, again, is just fucking Bailey. Dakota Kai, yes, she handed her the belt. Anybody could hand her the goddamn belt. They're not intimidating when it's basically just two people. So it's not like the bloodline where Roman, you know, in, in the past you had to deal with Jimmy J and Solo. And even still, just dealing with J, uh, Jim and Solo is still pretty goddamn intimidating. So I, and also, I think EO's kind of frustrated by it because she's kept telling Bailey a bazillion times to not come out. She can handle these matches on her own and whatnot. So maybe she'll get her way at some point. But I really do feel like because of all of this, EO's time with the belt is coming to a close relatively shortly here. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. Um, we, like, obviously, I think that it's going to end up on Charlotte's waist. But I feel like when she came back, I was applauding her for not taking that forefront role. It kind of seems like she's been there, but I feel like they're just building her up for this big title defense. I don't think she's meant for the title. You think You think Bianca's taking it? Smackdown? I feel like there are a handful of viable choices. I think Charlotte, Asuka, Bianca, if you want to introduce Jade into the picture, um, I think all of those make sense. Uh, I do feel like... I feel like it's going to be on Charlotte for WrestleMania. And then I think that, you know, maybe Bianca wins the rumble and challenges Rhea. And so, you know, Bianca wouldn't have a belt on at that point. It would be Charlotte. So if I had to guess, that's probably what we're getting. And then the biggest curveball of all is like, what the fuck do they decide to do with Jade? Yeah. And 
quick, quick jump, jump spoiler to the end of NXT. She was there waving her hand on the TV, pointing at her watch, you know, basically saying time is ticking on NXT. So what is what does that mean? I, I still think she's starting in NXT, winning the belt very quickly over Becky. And like, I think within the next month or so, she's taking that that belt from Becky before Survivor Series, probably losing it. And I think she's winning like the Elimination Chamber or something so that way she can get a Mania match against maybe Charlotte or Rhea, depending on what Bianca does. Because I do feel we're probably seeing Bianca for Mania. Like, I think they gave her her break because this is about to be her her big build-up run for another, you know, heartwarming title victory. My My problem with Jade getting the NXT belt is... I I don't feel like she should have it for a long time because I feel like she's she's better than that belt to be completely honest. And so you would like you said she'd have to lose the belt. Well, I don't think Jade should suffer a loss for like a fucking year to be honest with you. Like I I really do think that they should just push her to the fucking moon and start her career off 20, 30, and 0, or whatever it's going to be. Um, that's probably the number one reason why I don't want her to get the NXT belt. Well, what if she wins the belt and just holds on to it, takes the belt into the Royal Rumble, wins the Royal Rumble as the champion to challenge for another title? I I guess the only reason that that could work is because of how shitty, you know, and and we'll we'll jump to NXT at this point. Um how shitty the women's division in NXT is. You know, you got Tiffany Stratton and then you've got a couple kind of interesting people in Lyra Valkyria and Kiana James. Um and and then you got everybody else. You know, uh there are some that show promise like Thea Hale and whatnot, but like the women's division in NXT, and we've said this a bazillion times, the women's division on the main roster is super strong right now. The strongest it's probably ever been. The women's division in NXT is absolutely terrible. So I guess that's the only reason that it would make sense is because, you know, who, who the fuck else is going to have the belt? You know, at that point, you would have to bring Tiffany Stratton up because you'd be doing her an injustice by sticking the belt on an unbeatable fucking wrestler. So what what is she going to do? Then you'd have to bring her up. Um I I'm still not a huge fan of it. Yeah, I there's there's a lot that might that might be pushing it a little bit, but at the same time, aside from a few names, that roster is perfectly poised to just stay stagnant for a year while they just feed everybody to Jade and they can save those good matches, Lyra Valkyria, you know, um, Tiffy for, you know, when they want a, a nice pay-per-view match, when they want to show somebody something. But just like they had the TBS division uh, in AEW for what I, you know, basically the Jade division, they just constantly had a, a stream of women to feed to her. All she had to do was come out there in a different outfit, show out, stunt, hit her moves, and you know walk away like a champion i don't i don't 
think they're going to do that. And I think they would be stupid to do that because Jade represents more than Jade. Jade represents what the WWE can do to an established star when they come to the company. You know, when, when you look, you, I guess you could kind of say Cody too, but Cody was already there and Cody's been around for a long time and he comes from royalty and whatnot. But to me, like how... They handle Jade, sends a fucking message to MJF, Will Ospreay, like all of these big names that are coming up that they want to take a swing at. So like, what's the message you want to say? Like, oh, hey, you know what? We're going to give you a fucking NXT belt and just feed you people that you don't even belong in the ring with for a year. Like, what the fuck does that show MJF or Will Ospreay? That's that's very true as well. So... Uh, and they're and they're putting her on everything right now too. Like I don't, I just want to see something already. I'm. This is just like coming soon. Veer. You know. I, I don't. I don't need to see any more Lexus King. I don't need to see any more bullshit. All right. Show up and let's go. Well, Lexus King is making his uh, NXT premiere at uh halloween havoc i don't know who he's wrestling or anything uh, i don't even know if he is wrestling or if he's just actually just fucking showing his face and by the way like uh you know I, this is a fucking thing with with kids these days and and guys in general of like painting shit on your face you know what i mean like you go to the barber and you get lined up and then the barber like just paints a shape of hair on your head that you don't actually fucking have or in Lexus King's face paints a beard that he doesn't have. Like you see that man's fucking mustache. It's, it's thin. It ain't dense. You mean to believe that his fucking chin strap is so goddamn thick. It's just a solid patch of Brown. No, that's just fucking painted on. That shit really pisses me off. Like, dude, you look like an ass. <laughs> I did notice that. And I was like, you gotta at least get like, the mustache part so it like lines up or it connects or something it looks funky like <laughs> yeah it it looks absolutely ridiculous um i think it's fucking terrible so yeah the kids are already starting off in a bad thing i mean the biggest thing of the night that we had from the nxt we'll, we'll cover a couple things but we uh we had a segment where it was revealed that Cody Rhodes' last act as special GM was to make the triple threat to determine the number one competitor to Ilya Dragunov at Halloween Havoc into a fatal four-way by introducing Trick Willie into the situation. So it was supposed to be Dijak, Baron Corbin, Carmelo Hayes, and then Trick Willie. Um, Melo didn't know. Trick didn't tell him. Kind of some weird moments in the ring there. And then uh, later in the night, we get a spot where Trick was ambushed backstage by we don't know who. First person on the scene was Carmelo Hayes, interestingly enough. Uh, and then Trick had to go to the hospital and was declared out of the match. And it was back to its original format in which Carmelo Hayes won. So we're getting the trilogy of Hayes Dragunov at Halloween Havoc, which should be fucking amazing. But Trick was robbed of his opportunity. So to me, I feel like it's fairly obvious that Mello was the one that ambushed him. And then what I would love to see is that um, either 
two options. Either Melo, uh, Trick gets healthy and then somehow finds his way into the match and it becomes a triple threat match of Trick, Melo, Ilya. Or Trick shows up and attacks Carmelo and costs him the match and Dragunov wins. As long as... And I'm fine with either one of those scenarios as long as I'm sorry, but as long as we don't get Melo Dragunov again. All right, I, I'm sorry. They're great. They work great together. And I'm fine seeing them in one more match. But I don't need to see two, three, or four more matches when we just saw that right now. I'd like to see it turn into a three-way. And we have Dragunov pinning Mellow. And that, that kind of ends their thing. But it's because, you know, something that Trick did that got Mellow pinned. So then we can have Mellow Trick do their singles thing Dragonov gets his victory you know to stay strong and he can move on hopefully away from Dijak and Corbin who we've also seen him fight already but I don't know who the hell else their top heels on NXT are for men the the men's division in NXT is an interesting spot I feel like because you you've got Ilya Dragonov, Carmelo Hayes Braun Breaker and then everybody else you know what I mean? Like those three in particular, to me, are just head and shoulders above the rest. You've got other great guys, guys like Trick Willie, guys like Dijak. There, there are other good guys on the roster, but those three, to me, are just in a completely fucking league of their own to the point where like, you know, okay, give, give Ilya a decent reign or whatnot, but maybe start maybe start bringing some of these guys up. Now we've, we've seen, um, you know, that, that Heyman bit with Braun Breaker and we've talked about, Hey, maybe he becomes an honorary oos or something like that. And maybe that's his road and, and we'll see where it can happen with him. But, um, again, I just feel like it's those three and then everybody else. Yeah. I, I don't know. They, they need more. They need to spice some things up a little bit, but, I'm sure they'll figure something out. I'm sure there's probably some some great stuff. And we can we it doesn't have to be a heel. It could be a face. Let's get Butch. Let's get Tyler Bate. Let's get Axiom. You know, let's get Nathan Frazier. Is it Nathan Frazier? Who's the guy beefing with Dom right now? That guy versus Dragonaw would be fun. Yeah, it's Frazier. Um Yeah, I, I would like to see Tyler Bate built up a little bit more. Uh, I th- I think he's one of the guys that could really shine. I mean, he's already shined and he's been there forever, and that's kind of my point. But um, moving on, we've got some other things. We we had Chase U winning the Bada Bing Bada Boom Battle Royale tag match. Um, that was interesting. Uh, I I don't know. I Chase U is in a weird spot because they're kind of like I feel bad for anybody that's a part of it because it's such a shtick that can only exist on NXT that like anybody that would leave and go to the main roster would need to be completely reinvented because you can't have a fucking teaching university like it's 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 like the elementary school version of Alpha Academy basically so um, they're kind of in a weird spot and I think they're trying to break Thea Hale off from them. So, you know, we, we've got Chase, 
Chase U versus the family for the tag titles at Halloween Havoc. And I could almost see like this would be a great opportunity to fully embrace the Thea Hale heel turn and have JCJ like, because she's kind of set this whole thing up and have it be a situation where like she makes Thea turn on them and costs them the match or something. 100%. I thought it was going to be tonight that we saw because this is a weird scenario match. They were like, it's a battle royal. But then until, you know, two teams are left, then it's a regular match. Weird. Yeah. Interesting. And I thought this was going to be where they cost them a shot at the titles. But no, they're going to actually cost them the titles. Because this this week, they were actually out there as cheerleaders, which was cute. You know what I'm saying? It was nice uh, having them out there. And this was fun for what it was. The, the Battle Royale was what it was. Randomly had the Brawling Brutes in it. Had Out the Mud out there. Had Los Lotharios and a bunch of people out there. Um, but what the key to this was, we had Los Lotharios. I don't know if they have a different name. Umberto and uh, Garza with the Creed Brothers and Chase U. And actually, Umberto Carrillo got knocked out. But the refs didn't see it. They snuck back in, threw the Creeds out, and the refs saw that. So actually, they were supposed to lose, but they didn't. Snuck their way in to still lose which was, again, a surprise to me because they were trying to distract the ref at the end. And then, you know, Chase had the guy pinned for like 17 seconds and then the ref saw him. And anytime we see that, they'd never get the pin, but they got the pin this time. So weird win. I guess we'll see him lose next week. Yeah, I I didn't expect anybody that outside of the Creed brothers, if they managed to win it, I could have seen them beating the family, but outside of them, I would expect the family to retain, and I'm pretty confident at this point that's what we're going to get. Um, one fun moment is we had Akira Tozawa again on the show, and he's uh, going around saying, you know, you, you, you seen Noam Dar? Like, you see him. Tell him, tell him I'm looking for him. So we, I don't know if we got Akira Tozawa is planning on going after the Heritage Cup now after he was like lost every match in that tournament or what, but I found that to be interesting. Yeah, I don't know what the hell that was about, but it, I mean, it, I'm happy to see that they're doing something with him. Obviously, it's just a squash match for Noam Dar, so that way we can remember that the Heritage Division is still a thing and Noam Dar still has it, um, but... You know, Heritage. I, I'm not. I'm just not a fan of it. I'm not a fan of Noam Dar, uh, metaphor and all that shit. Like I, I just not really. I don't really buy into any of it. It's kind of mad at me, all of it. Um, so, eh, I mean, I guess I could see that. But do do better by Akira Tozawa. Just put him in Alpha Academy already, dude. Um, we had a women's breakout tournament match between Carmen Petrovich and Jada Parker. Uh, Carmen came out on top via submission. So she advances to face Lola Vice in the next round. Um, honestly, I, I, none, none of these, um, you, you got a bunch of young, athletic, attractive young women. Uh, but I just don't like the wrestling ability just isn't really there for me. 
you know, things that bother me in some of these types of matches is like, you know, people can't even run into the ropes with their full strength where like they, they go to run in and slingshot themselves off the ropes, except like they don't actually get any force from the ropes because they didn't even fucking run into it. You know what I mean? Like shit like that. Just, I don't really like watching. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And that's always kind of what we have to deal with, especially with these breakout tournaments and these people that are, you know, have spent less time in the ring than, you know, maybe some people talking about it, right? Running is not a science. You should, that's like a basic fucking move of just being able to like fearlessly run into the ropes and bounce off of them. You know what I mean? Like, now some people just live life without having things ever touch them, you know? So they're just, Weirded out, maybe, but we did get to see Petrovic hit the code of silence. I don't know if they named it, stole Carmelo's move, but I feel like we could see some potential from Jada Parker. I feel like she has the right build to go further in the company than some of these other women. Unfortunately, some of the not always do the smaller, real thinner frame women actually get more of a push. We look at, you know, Katana Chance. Caden Carter, for example, all the women who are kind of similar size and build that have uh, moved up to the main roster, and we never see them. We never hear from them. So we'll see. Obviously, in-ring talent, talking on the mic, uh, comes into it. I did like the attitude that Petrovic had, but I don't know. We'll see uh, as uh, the years go by. Yeah, I I think that they're just going to hand this to Lola Vice, who I'm also not really a fan of because... You know, realistically, I think she just fucking dances in the ring and that's it. Like, I I don't really think there's a whole lot of in-ring talent there either. Um, I think this whole tournament is just kind of trash, but hey, props for them taking a chance on it. <laughs> um, we had a Lyra Valkyria Tegan Knox match with Lyra Valkyria winning. Natty was there and then Chelsea Green and Piper Niven showed up and got involved and... You know, it, it was weird because usually you see something like that happen and then they get distracted. So Tegan Knox would get distracted, go out there, and then, you know, you'll see like a roll up from them coming back in the ring, but like Knox kicked out of that. And then like Valkyria just hit a, a spinning heel kick to, to then put, I don't know. I, I felt like the pacing in this match is very fucking strange. And then like, uh, after the match, she grabbed the mic and went on this whole thing about, you know, Becky and her idol and the Ireland and all this shit and whatnot. But I was just like, we just had a brawl with Tegan Knox, Chelsea Green, Piper Niven, and Talia on the side of the ring. And then you're in the ring talking and nobody gives a fuck about what you're seeing. We all want to know about the shit that just happened. So like... I don't know if we blame that on her, if we blame that on Shawn Michaels. Like I, I, it didn't work. Yeah, um, I think it's just a product of the women's division on NXT. Like if this was Becky after the match talking, we would have forgot that you know Piper and Chelsea came out here. If this was Charlotte on the mic talking, we, everybody would have shut the hell up and been like, "Oh shit, she's fired up." But it was just kind of weird that, you know, Lyra was talking and nobody's really used to that. But they're really trying to get her. They're trying to push it. They're trying to make this seem like a big match, even though they're hyping up a match before another title match. You know, basically saying it doesn't matter what happens to Indy Hartwell. But, you know, we won't address that uh, on Raw next week. But I did like that they tried to push, you know, is she, I feel like she was almost doing a heel turn. 
but maybe they're just trying to get her to play up the heel side so that Becky could play at the face side so they have a match dynamic. Yeah, I, I'm assuming that's probably what it is. Um, I, I didn't really do a whole lot for me. Um, we had a match between Shotzi and Kiana James where Shotzi won. Uh, I don't, I don't really think that was anything exceptionally special. Um, you had Roxanne in there interfering with, uh, Kiana James's purse situation, which apparently did indeed have a brick in it. <laughs> um, we had another women's breakout tournament match, Ariana Grace versus Brinley Reese, where Ariana Grace won. She thought she was just going to get out of it because Jakara Jackson is uh, like not doing well in the hospital, which I'm assuming is a work. Um, again, I, neither of these women did anything for me either. You? Yeah. The way this got into it, and I, I, I'm never gonna be able to get behind this whole Miss America thing. I did like Booker because he was hyping up his wife, Queen Charmel, and was did she win like Miss America or something like that, or was was he was he just talking off the hip, right? Because I'm like, I know she was like famous for some shit, right, some beauty shit, but did she win some shit like that? Like, shout out Book if that's if that's real. But yeah, no, just some more women's crap. And both these women are just going to get fed to Kalani Jordan and Lola Vice so that we get to the uh, the final, which we have all of these, you know, semifinal matches on the night one of Halloween Havoc. We have five women's matches on Tuesday, if I've counted correctly. I believe we have um, Gigi and Blair. They spun the wheel. We got a lights out. I think she said lights out, bitch, or something like that. Yeah, lights out, bitch. <laughs> we get that one. Um, Devil's Playground between Roxanne Perez and Kiana James. Uh, that was right around one of these segments here. After this whole took the brick out the bag, they ended up set that one up later. We obviously have the Becky, Lyra, and then we have the two women's final matches um lola vice and kalani jordan whoever they're fighting i can't remember petrovich and reese or something like that or ariana grace i'm lying yeah yeah ariana grace uh, ariana grace kalani jordan and then lola vice and petrovich yeah so we know vice and jordan are winning pretty sure vice is taking it all the way because it's always better to have a heel win a tournament so when they talk that shit it's actually validated and we have this struggling baby face. I do think Kalani Jordan likely will will be a star in the future because they've already kind of been pushing her and they like her. And I do see that for Lola Vice as well. For the other women, not so sure. I think they're just going to be plug and play in a year, just like we see with Fallon Henley and other women that fall in that category. Yeah, yeah. I'm not expecting much. And, uh, you know, to your point, like, I I don't know. Like I this night one, so night one match card, you have the women's matches that you mentioned. And then other than that, we've got the Lexus King match, which I think is confirmed to be a match. We just don't know who who it's going to be against. And then we've got the tag team championship match. That's it. 
as of right now, that is the match card for night one of Halloween Havoc. And I'm sorry, but that sounds like kind of a shit fucking show. Yeah, and that's a seven-match card. It's really only a four-match card because Lexus King and the two breakout tournament matches are all going to be less than three minutes a pop, right? They're all going to be squash matches. But even even a four-match, two-hour card, like, that's more than we get on SmackDown. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I feel like this is going to be a pretty jam-packed, you know, not, not many backstage segments on on this NXT company. Yeah, I, I'm expecting it to flow like a PLE. But it should be an easy watch, at least. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I will let the attendee of the show that we reviewed on this episode take us home. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. And thank all you miserable people for allowing us to make your lives just a tad bit less miserable. We will catch you next time for some jam-packed action with some Monday Night Raw action. Two weeks away from Crown Jewel. Y'all stay safe and have a wonderful night. Deuces, deuces. Peace.